Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. The great adventurer Sir Edmund Hillary, after a failed attempt at scaling Mount Everest, returned home to New Zealand where he assured supporters he would go back to Everest and ultimately succeed. Well, how after failure could he be so confident of success? He boldly told a gathering of friends, I will conquer Everest and here's why. Everest can't get any bigger, but I can. In other words, Sir Edmund Hillary understood the key to success was not to find a smaller mountain, but to become a larger mountaineer. And the same is true in life for every one of us. How many of you know success is not the absence of problems? If success was the absence of problems, none of us could hope to ever be successful. Jesus had a litany of problems. Success is not the absence of problems. It's instead when I determine to become a bigger person, rising by the power of Jesus and my faith in him above the obstacles that stand between me and the vision that God gave me. I want to speak to you this morning from a simple scripture in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read it for you. It says, John, writing to the church, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater or bigger than he who is in the world. You ever felt small? You ever considered yourself small? Small in strength, small in ability, small in resource, small... In stamina, the Apostle John, addressing people who he describes as little children, makes the most amazing statement. He says, because you are of God, now he addresses them as little children, but he says, because you are of God, you have overcome the struggles and problems that were besetting you. In other words, he's trying to encourage them. Here's what you should expect of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit transforms little people into overcomers. That's what God's in the business of doing. You can come into church a little bruised, a little burned, a little bloodied by life. You can be a little hurt, a little offended, a little cynical, a little uptight. But how many of you know it's impossible to stay that way? You can come to Jesus with small vision, small thinking, small capacity, small faith, but it's impossible to remain a small person if you're in the house of God because God is in the business of taking little people and turning them into overcomers. I grew up the only male in a family of girls. Talk about problems to overcome. And whenever I was upset by something one of my sisters had done, my mother would pull me aside and she would simply say to me, come on, you're bigger than that. And that simple statement would invariably jolt me out of my sulk. Suddenly, whatever had thrown me into a tantrum became a non-issue. I would move on and think, why waste a perfectly good tantrum on something so small (laughs) and trivial? You know, a phrase my mother used as a pep talk is the reality for every person who dares to put their faith in the person of Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, you really do become bigger than that. And I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know what that is that you've got to confront this week. I don't know what that was in your past, but I do know this. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're bigger than whatever the thing is that you've got to face if your faith is in Jesus. You know, one of the saddest things in life, is to meet people who believe in a big God, follow a big God, worship a big God, and then trip up and destroy their lives over small, petty things. 
But I, I honestly believe there's, there's a new generation in church who believe in the power of God to transform them into more than conquerors. I, I want to give you six expressions that you should repeat daily to yourself. These have helped me no end in my life. And maybe not every day, but most days, more often than not, I would remind myself of these phrases that come from 1 John 4 verse 4, where John says to people he's described as little children, but they've made the quality decision to put their faith in God. And he says, because you put your faith in God, you've overcome that. You're bigger than whatever that thing is. Let me give you six phrases that will stand you in good stead and help you not to trip up over little things, but rather to overcome and, and be able to deal with whatever comes your way. You ready? Yeah. That's a rhetorical question. I'm going to give them to you whether you're ready or not. <laughs> Number one, you've got to remind yourself constantly, my future is bigger than that. I remember in 2008, remember that date, 2008, being in the church office, and uh, this guy walks in off the street, very, very distracted, very uh, upset. He says, I need to speak to a priest. So it's good to meet you, my son. And uh, I took him into a, a counseling room. We sat down. Well, I sat down. He didn't sit. He paced relentlessly back and forwards, back and forth. I felt like I was at the Australian Open tennis. And uh, he went on and on and on about life was terrible and things were terrible and he was doing terrible and he'd just been released from the psychiatric ward and things were terrible and life was terrible and everything was terrible. And, and after 10 minutes of talking about how bad things were, he said, and do you want to know why I'm like this? And I thought, well, I've invested 10 minutes of my life that I will never get back. I reckon I, I deserve some sort of return. Sure, why are you like this? He said, she left me. And at that moment, compassion came into me. I thought, well, man, that's, that's a tough deal, right? So I thought, all right, forget how long this is going to take. I, I know I'm busy and I've got other things to do, but she left him. I said, mate, when did this happen? Remember, this is 2008. And this guy, he said, 1998. Now, I don't know about you, but my math is reasonably good. And I'm sitting there thinking, that, that was a decade. Yeah. She, she left you 10 years ago, and you're still going on. Have you ever met people who are still picking the same old scabs that they've had for years? No wonder it never heals. They're still going around and around and around the same mountain. And the reason is, if you've got nothing in your future that's bigger than that, you'll never get over that. But how many of you know Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, God's plans for us are to give us a hope and a future. Not for evil, plans for good. In other words, my future is bigger than that, whatever that was. Whatever that mistake, whatever that letdown, whatever that circumstance, whatever that tragedy, my future is bigger than that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Forgetting those things which are behind. And I know what you're thinking. You're rolling your eyes thinking, easy for you to say. Forgetting those things which are behind. As though, you know, it was just a cold or a cough. Well, well I've had some things that are behind me now, but, but they were huge. It's not that easy to forget. And I understand and appreciate that. Sometimes it's difficult to move past the mistakes of yesterday or, or the tragedies of last year. But listen to what Paul says. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, here's the key, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, you've got to believe there's something greater in your future than the pain of your past. And if you just believe that, you'll have the ability to forget, as it were, the pain, the shame, the whatever of that 
and keep reaching forward to new levels in your future. The key is simply to remind yourself, whatever that was in your past, your future is bigger than that. There's something bigger in your future than your divorce. There's something bigger in your future than your bankruptcy. There's something bigger in your future than the mistake you made that you regret and wish you could go back and change things. You can't go back, but you can go forward and your future is bigger than that. I remember when I was a kid, I was 19 actually, and I'd forgotten to put the rubbish bins out. And uh, my mother was berating me again. And I was typically 19, justifying, excusing, because it's never your fault. And, and I, it was like having an out-of-body experience where as I'm arguing with her, I heard myself. And, and I recognized, as I said these words, that I, I recognized those words. I've, I've said those words many, many times. And it was quite surreal as I, we're arguing about my failure to put out the bins. And I said to her, and I quote, if you and dad hadn't have split up, And I remember hearing myself say these words and thinking, they split up when I was eight years old. That's 11 years ago. I remember thinking, at what point do I stop talking about mum and dad splitting up? They split up when I was eight. I'm still talking about when I'm 19 in reference to putting out the bins. At what point does your future become bigger than that? Or does that overshadow every event for the rest of my life? And it was at the age of 19 I decided I'm going to stop talking about that. Because every time I give verbalization to that, I'm confessing there's nothing bigger than that in my future. And I'm condemning myself to picking that scab for the rest of my life. Listen, you've got to make a decision. My future is bigger than that, whatever that is. For some of you, just that simple realization today, if by faith you would embrace that, it could change everything about your life. You might have made a complete mess of things, but the Bible says His mercies are new. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. Your future is bigger than that. Number two, you've got to remind yourself constantly, my brain. My brain is bigger than that. Psalm 104 verse 34 says, May my meditation be sweet. May, my medita- May the way I think be pleasing to God. How many of you know the Bible says, As a man thinks, so is he. I have to remind myself continually, my brain is bigger than that because small, petty, trivial thoughts try to dominate my thinking and my brain is made for bigger thoughts than some of the thoughts I'm tempted to think. I I remember um, a mum in our church rang me when I was a youth pastor and uh, she said, hey, I I just wondered if you could catch up with my son. I said, sure, I haven't seen him around lately. She said, it's been three months since he's been to youth or church. I said, has he been unwell or what's going on? She said, well, actually, um, three months ago, he told you what he wanted to do when he finished um, year 12. And, and when he told you what he wanted to do, you looked at him funny. I, I said, yeah. And she said, well, yeah, you looked at him funny. And so he's not been back since. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I look at everyone funny. That's, that's just my face. I looked at him, but I don't even remember, I don't know, maybe as he told me, I broke wind and it showed on my expression. I, 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 I couldn't even remember the conversation, let alone the look on my face. I, so I caught up with this kid and I said, I haven't seen you at church for a while. He said, no, nah, I've been busy. I said, I, I know, Netflix will do that. And uh, he, he, said, um, he said, well, actually, 
Do you remember on, and he told me the date, he told me the direction of the wind at that time, the, the exact time in the evening. He told me what we were wearing. He, he told me the temperature. He, he, he could recall in vivid detail the moment that he told me what he wanted to do with his life. And, and you looked at me funny. And I thought, for goodness sake, are you telling me for the last three months, the biggest thought you've had about church is that the youth pastor looked at me funny. Every time someone said, you want to go to church? He thought, yeah, the youth pastor looked at me funny. Everyone said, are you going to youth group? The youth pastor looked at me funny. That, that's the biggest thought you've had for the past three. Get a bigger brain. <laughs> Philippians 4 verse 8 says, whatever things are true, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good report, meditate on these things. I used to hate that verse because like, it's, it's very much a girly verse. Let me read it for you again. Whatever things are true, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good... It's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to conjure up images of butterflies and unicorns and, and green meadows. And, and, and then I realized when the Bible says whatever things are noble, true, lovely, I tell you what's lovely to the Lord. What, what is lovely to the Lord is the, the vision he gave you for your life. The, the dream he put in your heart, the, the word he gave you about significance and, and influence. And, and the Bible says we're to meditate on, on what is true, what God spoke to me, what is noble, that the vision he gave me, what is lovely, that, that the image he painted for my life and for my future. And the Bible says you've got to think on those things. Now, now I don't have room thinking on those things for petty and trivial hurts and offences. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So, so here's the deal. If you start thinking about little things, you become a little person. If you start thinking about trivial offenses, you become a trivial person. Have you ever met a trivial person? They've forgotten it's a board game, not a lifestyle trivial pursuit. And yet they start talking about such trivial, small Petty things. Oh, I didn't get invited. Oh, they walked straight past me. They didn't even say hello. Get a bigger brain. Are you for real? Those sort of petty, ridiculous, pathetic thoughts dominate your thinking to the point where you give voice to them? My brain is bigger than that and I've been ignored by more people than you have. I've got about 150 people ignoring me right now. <laughs> We've all had someone walk straight past us. We've all had someone text everyone except for us. That's life. And you've got to remind yourself, my brain is bigger than that. Because if you're not careful, small petty thoughts will try to dominate your thinking and turn you into a small petty person, unfit for the vision God gave you. I remember when I was running youth, uh, we had a brilliant night. We had about 500 teenagers at youth and about 70 made first time decisions for Jesus. It was a normal youth night, but just youth was exploding. And I was on a high. And I went to the car park. I'm getting into my car to go home. And, and as I get to the door of my car, there's a, a kid just getting into um, a parent's car. I'd not seen this kid before. I don't know, 14-year-old girl. And, and, and I, I turned, I said, did you enjoy youth tonight? And we just had 500, 70 first time. It was, the, the place was electric. She goes, it was, it was boring. <laughs> and, and you know what I thought about all the way home? Some snotty-nosed little brat who I've never seen before and I'll never see again. But if I... All the way home, I thought, was it really boring? I think it was boring. Was, that, was it boring? I started texting some of the saying, did, did you find youth boring tonight? They're like, what the heck are you talking about? It was the most amazing night. You know, it's, it's amazing how 499 people loved it, but one snotty-nosed little brat 14-year-old didn't like it and you know what dominated my thinking for the rest of the night 
that comment. That's, that's not her fault. That's my fault. It's not the person that looked at you funny or walked past you or ignored you. It's your fault that you're thinking those stupid, pathetic thoughts for not reminding yourself, my brain is bigger than that. The Bible says God's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask, think, or even imagine. Now think about this for a second. The Bible says God can do more through us than we could even think. Well, you can't do what you've not thunk. You've got to think it first, right? So, so God's able to do... You can't manifest what you've not conceived. So, so, so you've got to be able to think of something before you do it. And, and the Bible says God's able to do exceedingly abundantly more through me than I can think. In other words, when I die, there'll be, there'll be a whole lot of stuff that was God planned that I just never got to fulfilling because his plan was always even bigger than my life would be capable of achieving. Now, if that's true, then how many of you know I need every little bit of finite gray matter here focused on the plans of God rather than getting fixated on little things that happen through life and dwelling on those. I, I literally don't have room to think about small petty offenses. My brain is bigger than that. So's yours. So you know that thing that you've been going over and when I see them and you've been practicing the talk that you're going to have with them when you see them next? Forget it. Drop it. Start thinking about what is true and noble and lovely, the plan God's got for your life, because your brain is made for that. Here's the next one. Number three, my vision is bigger than that. You've got to remind yourself continually, my vision is bigger than that. You know, people with small vision only ever see small things, which appear enormous to them. I remember listening to Talkback Radio some years ago, and they were talking about a, a suggestion that a uh, charity had misappropriated donations. And it, it turned out that it was false, but uh, there was um, quite some time where it was believed that this charity had misappropriated money given. And, and I'm listening to talk back, and this guy rings up and says, that's it, I'm never donating to a charity ever again. They're all crooks. And, and I remember thinking, get a bigger vision. Like, because one organisation seemingly did the wrong thing, you're never giving to a charity ever again. To take that stance, you would have to make one isolated example your entire focus, thereby willfully and deliberately ignoring every other organi- hundreds, thousands of other organizations that are doing good work with money donated. Get a bigger vision. I, I remember when a, a major leader in our nation many years ago um, was removed from ministry for um, misconduct. And, and I remember a kid in our youth group coming in very upset. And she sat uh, opposite me and I said, what's wrong? She's crying. She said, talk about this pastor. I said, yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty sad. And she said, here's the thing. How can I live for Jesus? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, if he couldn't live for Jesus, how can I? And that's when I lovingly and pastorally just reached across the desk and slapped her in the face. <laughs> so get a bigger vision. Are you for real? You're going to make one instance your entire focus, therefore deliberately and willfully ignore tens of thousands of men and women who faithfully served the Lord. Get a bigger vision. Anyone can focus on one isolated instance because we can all find an isolated instance if we look hard enough. But why would you look for the one anomaly and make that the entirety of what you see rather look at the broad picture of God's kingdom and what God is doing? Isaiah 28 verse 7 says they err in vision so they stumble in judgment. Do you get that? They, err, they, they get their eyes on the wrong thing and then start just making bad decisions. 
So you get your eye on the one charity that misappropriated funds and then you decide I'm never donating ever again and so you help no one. You get your eye on the one guy who mucked up rather than all the other people who, you know what, they're doing their best and and providing great example and, and therefore you no longer grow spiritually because you're obsessed with focusing on the one instance where it didn't go right. They err in vision, so they stumble in judgment. But the inverse is also true. If you get good vision, you make good decisions. We can all find an isolated instance somewhere. Anyone can find, if you look long enough, something that's stained or spoiled. But when you see those examples, you've got to remind yourself, you know what, my vision's bigger than that. I remember hearing about a young lady who, she was an only child, much loved by her mum and dad, really tight-knit unit. And she was um, thrillingly accepted into a major university in another town. Uh, so it was bittersweet. Um, thrilled that she'd been accepted into this university, but uh, devastated it meant leaving home. And so uh, as she departed, um, she assured mum and dad she'd keep in touch and she'd miss them. And But don't worry, you know, we'll talk every day and so on and so forth. And you know what it's like, you get to university and, and study and parties and everything takes over. And they hadn't heard from her for months. And they started to become a little bit worried about her when finally a, a letter arrived in the mail. As they sat down at the kitchen table, super excited, finally they got word from their daughter. Let me read the, the letter for you. It said, Dear Mum and Dad, I just want to let you know that I dropped out of university last month. I'm living with a man, but I don't want you to worry. He's off heroin now and has been clean for three weeks, which I'm really glad about since I'm pregnant with his baby. P.S. None of the above is true, but I, I did fail my history exam. How many of you know, smart kid? This is the first time in history where a mum and a dad have said, thank God she failed history. Oh, thank God. That's wonderful news. Oh, it's brilliant. Smart kid. She just knew if all I do is tell them I failed history, they're going to obsess and fixate on that and ignore the fact I'm still at university. I'm not living with a guy, let alone a drug addicted guy, let alone pregnant with his. There's a lot more to my life than the result on my history exam. General Abrahams during the American Civil War was down to his last 1,000 men. But worse, they were completely surrounded. Just a few men left and surrounded. They were terrified. He was enthused. He said, good news, men. We can now attack the enemy from any direction we want. (laughs) Vision. You just got to get a bigger vision. True story. During the Argentinian War, the Brits fought the Argentinians for the Falkland Islands. The Brits had uh, 20 Harrier jump jets the Argentinians had 200 fighter planes. The, the Brits were outnumbered 10 to 1. I remember seeing a documentary where they interviewed one of the British pilots. They, they said, you were outnumbered 10 to 1. For every one of your planes, there were 10 of theirs. How did you get your head around that? He said, I just saw it as a target-rich environment. <laughs> Listen, there will always be things that threaten to distract you and get your focus. And you've just got to remind yourself, content, my, my vision is bigger than that. What is it you're looking at at the moment, to be honest? You know what? Don't base your whole life on that one example. Yeah, we can all find a time or instance where it went wrong, but you've got to take my vision is bigger than that. Keep a big vision. Number four. You've got 38 of these to get through. I wouldn't laugh if I were you. I don't usually eat lunch. Number four. Uh, You've got to remind yourself constantly, my purpose. My purpose is bigger than that. Uh, my um, dad was a Baptist minister 
And I remember a delegation of suits, um, also known as the church board, walking up the driveway one Sunday afternoon, and they looked really serious. And uh, so they went into the living area, and, and as a kid, I remember just sitting outside the door listening, and they were discussing the fact that my father, who was new in the role, had um, taken up the offering at a different time to what it typically had been since Noah built the ark. And, and this was a, a heated conversation. And I just remember as a kid thinking, wow, I didn't know like God was so concerned about where on the run sheet the offering buckets are passed. But it's amazing how people make such small things their grand purpose in life. And, and maybe there's nowhere worse than in the church where, where people make a small purpose the entirety of their reason for being. Jeremiah 18 verse 15 says, Because my people have forgotten me, they've burned incense to worthless idols and they've caused themselves to stumble in their ways. Now, this is not so much about idol worshippers whom we think as primitive people. This, this is about priorities. It says they forgot God. And when you forget God, you start burning incense to things that really don't matter that much. Confession. Um, many years ago, I was the associate pastor in a church on the Sunshine Coast. And, gee, we did something dumb. Uh, not like your pastors who everything they do just turns to gold. Um, but the church I was at, man, we just, we really, it was a stupid idea, but let me share it with you. Don't judge me. Haters going to hate. Um, we were trying to think, how do we reach business people in our city? Like, how do we, you know, they're not interested in church. How do we get them into church? And, and someone on our team came up with an idea, having just flown back into the country and been in Qantas Club. And they said, you know, when you go to the airport, right, and you don't sit with all the riffraff in the terminal, you sit in Qantas Club. And the seats are comfortable and the food is nice and it's, you know, bought to you. And what if we had a business lounge at church just for business people? And, and that way, if you invited your business friend, you give them a card and they come in and we could have a special area in the foyer set up just for the business people. And we could have really comfortable chairs. And you're all looking at me like, you guys are idiots. Um, we're just trying to come up with a, a hook that we could invite business friends to church. So we set it up. And I remember the first Sunday, I'll never forget it. I, I'm the youth pastor. I'm walking into the church as a good family in our church are storming out. And, and I just heard enough as they stormed out to hear them say something like, the Bible says, do not show preferential treatment to the rich. We are never coming back ever again. And look, look, it was a dumb idea. And it lasted one Sunday because we had that many complaints. <laughs> what annoyed me is that there were certain people who never came back to that church ever again. And here's why. Because while we were all drinking coffee out of spot polystyrene cups, some business people were drinking it out of china cups. And if your biggest purpose in life is to ensure a quality of drinking utensil, I would suggest your purpose is too small. Get a bigger purpose. Yes, it was a dumb idea. Yes, it was a stupid idea. And I hope they never do any more stupid stunts like that. But I've got to tell you, I'm not leaving the church over it. My purpose is bigger than that. How many of you know, if we can have a church where your pastors are allowed to try some things, and you know what, it wasn't my style, it's not what I would have done, I wouldn't have chosen, if you'd asked me, I would have said that wasn't a good idea, but you know what, my purpose is bigger than that. 
I want to give you permission to make some bad mistakes. And you know what? I will still be standing shoulder to shoulder with you because even though I might disagree with the style, it might not be my preference. It's not what I would have done. My purpose is bigger than whatever that mistake was because I know you're trying. I know the intent is good. And so let's just be people whose purpose is big. Gee, people leave churches over silly, petty things because they have such small, petty purposes in life. Listen, like you, I don't love everything that happens in the church I go to. I, I, I don't think everything's a brilliant idea, but I do remind myself continually, but, but what's, why am I here? What's the bigger purpose? My purpose is bigger than that. Yeah, in, in John chapter 5, verse 12, it records the, the dumbest question ever asked. Um, you know, and if, if you watch Q&A on the ABC, there's some competition for that award, but... John 5 verse 12, if you listen to the answers, there's even, anyway, um, on John 5 verse 12, I'm enjoying this too much, I feel like I'm just on the edge of, but I'm going to stay focused. John, I, I used to work as a journalist and um, for uh, News Limited, which depending on your political persuasion either makes me fake news or the dispenser of great truths. Um, when you're a journalist, oftentimes you only get to ask one question. It's, you, know, you might get one shot. So you really want to make it a good question. You need to know what matters and what doesn't matter. You need to know what's news and what's not news. You know, if, um, if, a, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. If a man bites a dog, <laughs> that's news. <laughs> so you've got to know the difference. So um, anyway... Uh, John chapter 5 verse 12 He's just, this guy's been paralysed 38 years right so for 38 years hasn't been able to move an inch and then miraculously marvellous gloriously he's healed he's walking around like nothing's ever been wrong with him it's an absolute miracle and, and this is what we read the Jews said to the man who was cured it's a Sabbath it's not lawful for you to carry your bed and then they asked him they had one shot they fired it listen to it who told you to pick up your bed now, I don't know about you, but I read that and I think, that's the wrong question. Who told you to pick up your bed? Who cares who told you to pick up your bed? Who told you to walk? You've been paralyzed 38 years and someone said, get up and walk. That they, they could have had the name of the healer, but instead they, they asked for the business card of the removalist. Because their purpose was so small. Listen, get a bigger purpose. Otherwise, you will sink into a sea of mediocrity, of triviality and small things, getting bent out of shape because of that style or that preference when there is a greater purpose for us to give our lives to. You've got to remind yourself continually. Listen, my purpose is bigger than that. I have to remind myself with this with my kids. Because I'm tempted to lose it over small little things. I remind myself, you know, my, my purpose has got to be bigger than that. Pick your battles. Don't die on every hill because not every hill is worth dying on. Get a purpose that's bigger than some of the things that you currently... Number five, the grace I've received. These are things I just remind myself every day. The grace I've received because life will continually conspire to shrink you. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is a movie about a Christian family who didn't know these statements. <laughs> that has made everyone small. So I have to remind myself daily the grace I've received is bigger than that 
My, my best friend growing up in youth um, was killed instantly in a car crash on the way home from a Christmas youth breakup. Um, I can't remember why, but I didn't go um, for whatever reason. Uh, I was home, and the next morning, uh, a pastor from the church visited our home, knowing that this was my best friend. And we sat down in the kitchen, and he advised me that on the way home, the car driven by some of our young people um, along a Gold Coast highway was met by a car on the wrong side of the road, uh, both travelling at 100 or more kilometres an hour. Um, they hit head on and my best friend was killed instantly. The driver of the oncoming vehicle um, was drunk about three or four times over the legal limit. Um, he walked away without a scratch. It was pretty devastating. Um, at the court hearing on the Southport um, court, uh, the, the young guy who'd been drink driving was charged with a whole lot of things that you get charged with. And uh, the, the hearing, I think, went for two days. Um, I can't exactly remember why, but, but it made front page news in the Gold Coast Bulletin. Um, and the reason it made the front page news is my friend's parents sat through the court hearing, as you would imagine, but they sat through the court hearing sitting beside the parents of the drunk driver. And they actually got to know them over the course of the couple of days and they had coffee together over at the local coffee shop opposite the courthouse. And, and at the end of the hearing, they were invited to, they call it like a victim impact statement. Um, and so they got up and, and what made news and caught the attention of the reporter is that my friend's parents actually pleaded with the judge to give the drink driver the lowest possible punishment. The reporter could not understand this because if you'll excuse me for a moment, um, do you remember the advertising campaign, if you drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot? Um, which, which is language you wouldn't normally use in church or on an advertisement sponsored by the government, but they're trying to impress you know, how stupid you are if you get into a car having consumed alcohol. You're in danger to yourself and everybody else. You're a bloody idiot. And yet here's my friend's parents who've just lost their son saying to this bloody idiot, um, it's our hope that you're able to walk free and don't have any jail term at all. They, they said this, they said, we've gotten to know the parents of this young man and they're good people. And, and we've lost out. Nothing that you do as a court brings our son back. Please don't make them lose their son. That's not going to make us feel any better that they would be in pain. We're already in pain. Having them in pain as well does nothing to relieve our pain. The reporter from the Gold Coast Bulletin said, hey, if you're drinking and driving, you're bloody, how could you? And they said this made the front page of the Gold Coast Bulletin. They said, we're Christian people. And at the heart of the Christian message is that God has forgiven us for everything we've ever done. And He's already forgiven us for everything we'll ever do. So you wonder, how could we ever forgive this young man who took our son's life? Well, simple. As big as that is, it's not as big as what God's forgiven us. The grace we've received is bigger than the grace we've had to show this drink driver. You only find it hard to forgive when, when you forget the grace I've received is bigger than that. How could you forgive that? Well, the grace I've received is bigger than that. Here's the truth. I will never have to forgive you for more than God's already forgiven me. The only times it's hard to forgive is when we forget what God's already forgiven us of. But having freely received, we're able to freely give. And I have to remind myself daily because... You know, if it's not you, it'll be someone else in the congregation who'll cut me off at a roundabout later today. But the grace I've received is bigger than that. I have to give, forgive people every day 
I have to give, forgive people who are very close to me and I wish knew better every day. But I simply remind myself, the grace I've received is bigger than that. And all of a sudden there's a release and a freedom to be able to walk without having knots in my stomach and carrying around resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. I just have to remind myself that the grace I've received is bigger than that. I wonder who you could just release because you've been holding them hostage with resentment and bitterness and unable to let them go. But if you just reminded yourself the grace I've received, it's bigger than that. You know, you could walk out of here a different person. We've gone over time, so we're going to finish. Let me give you one last thought. I just remind myself constantly, my God, my God is bigger than that. Jeremiah 13 verse 16 says, Give glory to the Lord your God before your feet stumble. In other words, make God big. Because if you make God big, you won't stumble. Give glory to the Lord. Make Him big before your feet stumble. 1 Samuel 17 verse 37. David is about to fight Goliath. Let me read it for you. Saul said to David, You can't go and fight against this giant. You're only a boy. And all of that was true. Goliath was a giant. David was a boy. Listen to what David said. Yeah, but I go to a really good school. Yeah, but I'm smarter than most boys. I'm tall for my age. Oh, but I've got this or that. David doesn't talk about himself. He just makes God big. He says, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, will also deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And hearing that, Saul said, Go and the Lord be with you. David just understood, you know what? My God is bigger than that giant on the horizon. I don't know what that is on your horizon. I don't know what that is you've got to do tomorrow. But I do know this. God is bigger than whatever that thing is. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Yeah, yeah, but God's great. Where does God live? In you. So if God is bigger than that and God lives in me, how many of you know I'm bigger than that? And so rather than shrink or retreat from every difficulty or challenge, I stand up tall, I look at square in the eye and I say, greater is he that's in me than anything I'll ever confront. I'm bigger than that. I am not looking for a smaller mountain to ascend. I'm looking to become a bigger mountaineer because God is in the business when you take him at his word of causing little people to become big in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray. You happy? Heavenly Father, I thank you for good people created in your image to win. You created every single one of us with a great future and a great hope. You created every single one of us with great things in mind and all of us have gone astray. It's not one of us that hasn't had disappointments, hasn't made mistakes, doesn't wish we could go back and change some things and yet your promises are yes and amen. Father, today I pray let faith fill the heart of every person here. I don't know what that is you need to forgive or what that is you need to forget or what that is you need to move past. But God's bigger than that, which means you're bigger than that. I wonder if this morning you could just remind yourself whatever that thing is that that overshadows your future and, and keeps threatening to disrupt things. If you would just stop focusing on yourself or on the circumstances and simply remind yourself in faith, God is bigger than that. God is well able. And if He's in me, then I'm bigger than that and I am well able. If you would just make that switch in your thinking and in your believing, God would go to work on your behalf. Father, I thank you. There's no sickness. There's no relationship difficulty. There's no financial problem that is greater than your ability to help us rise above. I pray let that conviction fill the heart of every person here. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.